0: Good Sabbath. Almost almost here. Thanks for being here. Sons and daughters of the living God. How many were at the fun run? Good, good. How many competed in the 5K? Oh, more. Good. How many are here for the donuts? Me too. (laughs) Sing this little chorus with me. I love you, Lord. We were here last night. We agreed that Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. But if you left thinking this Christian life and Christian journey is nothing but a big barrel of fun, you're mistaken. Because if you live long enough, and maybe some of you already have, experience some pain or disappointment in your life, and you've wondered if you're going to get through it. You don't have to raise your hand. You know your experience. I'm convinced that we have an example in the scriptures of how our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, dealt with pain and disappointment in his life. You see, we have a Savior who understands what it's like to live with pain and disappointment and heartache. He is not some God that is aloof of where we are and how we live. He came down. He left heaven to walk on this earth in order that we and we might know that we have a God who understands our pain and our disappointment. you with me? You've got to agree with that or you won't get very far tonight. Some of you might say to yourself, well, Pastor Ken, yeah, I know that. Yeah, probably there's going to be some pain or disappointment in my life. But right now, my life is going really well. I am on cruise control. Everything's coming my way. Things are going good. I, I, it can't get hardly any better than this. And my word to that group tonight be patient. Okay? Just be patient. Because the time is going to come. And I'm not a prophet, but I can pretty much guarantee you the time is going to come in your life when you're going to experience some roadblock or some pain or disappointment. You're going to say, I don't know if I can get through this. Let's look in the Scriptures. Mark chapter 14, if you brought your Bibles, verse 32. Let me read to you just a few verses from this chapter. They went to an olive garden called Gethsemane. Jesus said, sit here while I go and pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him. And he became deeply troubled in his heart, and he was distressed. And he told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. So he went on a little farther, and he fell to the ground. He prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. Abba, Father, he cried out. Everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want what your will to be done and not mine. Brian, would you turn down the mic on this just a little bit for me? Thanks. So then he returned and he found the disciples had gone asleep. I have a little sign in my Bible that I keep. Sometimes if I'm on the platform and the choir's behind me and the church is really getting bad, I'll turn around and I'll kind of show this to them. sleeper. Then if it's really bad, I'll just kind of scoot down and go. I recline. I got those at the furniture store, but they work really good in church when things are bad. He found the disciples, what? Asleep. He said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep again? Couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you'll not give in to temptation. The spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. So Jesus left them again, and he prayed the same prayers before. When he returned to them, he found them sleeping again. They couldn't even keep their eyes open. They didn't know what to say. When he returned to them the third time, he said, oh, Go ahead and sleep. Have your rest. But, oh, wait. No, no. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up. Let's get going. For my betrayer is right here. Pretty painful experience for Jesus Christ. Let's look through a couple windows tonight, four, maybe five, real quickly, to see how Jesus dealt with the pain that he was about to experience the pain of betrayal and the pain, the awful pain of death on a cross for your sins and for my sins. First thing he did, went to a quiet place apart from the busyness of life, and he said, it's time to what? Pray. I need I need to remove myself from everything that's going on, and I need to pray. Window number one for us to look into, folks. Sometimes it's good to get away from the hustle and the bustle and the busyness of your world. Sit down and pray. And if you don't know how to pray, that's okay. I know you know how to talk. I know you know how to text. Text it. Open up your heart and be real with God. He wants to listen. Jesus, a member of the Godhead, prayed to his Father. There's a lesson there for us. There's a window we need to look through. Jesus prayed. What did he pray about hour after hour, three times at least, specifically in this short passage in the Garden of Gethsemane? Hey, maybe he sang a song. Maybe he listened for the voice of God. Maybe he quoted the scriptures that he had memorized from a child. People, there's power in God's word. I won't tell you the year, but one of the first years that Carolina had camp meeting right here at Lake Junaluska, I was a young pastor and I got invited to go to the Saturday night evening meeting and be on the platform man as a young pastor that was pretty cool I got to have the benediction and I'm sure people remember that prayer big deal right but the big deal was HMS Richards senior was a speaker you get most of you weren't even born I mean, you know, this, this was a giant in the Adventist church and to have him at a camp meeting, man, the place was packed. He was frail. I think in his late 80s then, one of his last public appearances was Saturday night at a camp meeting at Lake Junaluska. He had to have a little help walking. His glasses were like we could call the Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola bottle glass. I mean, they were just very, very thick. He could hardly see. But man, when he got up to preach, it was like, power came from this man. The Holy Spirit moved through him. When he first started to preach, he held his Bible up and he quoted a text and moved the pages of his, of his Bible around. After a little bit, I'm sure it was heavy. It was a big Bible and he sat it down on the on the platform and then as he continued to preach, he'd move back and forth through, the, through that Bible. Well, he preached and it was powerful and moving and everybody was standing and I got up and said the benediction. And after I said amen, people began to move. I looked down at that pulpit, saw his big Bible that was there. It was marked and underlined and pages were faded and it was also upside down all those texts that he quoted and flipped through his bible came from where it came from his heart it came from his head because he had memorized He didn't need the Bible. It was upside down. He couldn't have read it from there anyway by the time I thought about it with those glasses. He didn't see that. But he gave the impression. See, folks, Jesus knew he needed strength. Don't go it alone. That's the window. Jesus himself prayed. And then what did he do? All the disciples are there at the garden, but he calls in who? Peter, James, and John just 3. I call them garden friends. He invited those 3 guys right into his inner circle of pain and disappointment. He says, "You 3 come come here and be with me." Not all 12. Sometimes we need our closest friends to be right there around us. If God had intended us to go through pain and disappointment all by ourselves, which some of us think we should, then I think that's the example he would have left. But no, Jesus himself said, hey, Peter, James, and John, come on in here with me, will you? I need you to be resource. I need to share you. My heart is so heavy. I hurt so much. I wish I could die. Whoa. Yeah, this coin has two sides. Some of us need to be like Jesus and invite people in when we have pain and disappointment and heartache in our lives. For some of us, that's hard to do. We think we can tough it out and go it alone and fall on our own strength. Some of us need to let garden friends come in and support us and to pray with us and to be nearest in our disappointment. The flip side is some of you need to be garden friends when you see your friends trying to go it alone or they're going through a tough time oh I know you don't always may not even know what to say but I pretty much guarantee you that when somebody's going through pain or disappointment if you come alongside them and simply say I am here I don't know what to say but I want you to know I'm here that'll go a long way don't be quiet don't escape. Don't say anything and say, oh, I didn't know what to say, so I didn't do anything. Do something. Be a garden friend. A 16-year-old son, Brent, died in his sleep from pneumonia. No warning. One nil. And I'll tell you, there's no greater pain in a parent's heart than losing a son or daughter. He had friends. I don't know where they came from, but they came to the house. They brought food, and they stayed. They stayed overnight. They stayed two, three, four, I think almost five days, hanging out on the couch, getting stuff I needed, doing whatever they could. They didn't leave me alone. They didn't know what they were doing. They didn't sit down and organize and have a committee. They were just being what? garden. friends. Kids, man, a week or two after that, I just was still a mess. I didn't want to get up. I didn't want. One day I was in bed. I'm just not getting up today. <laughs> Stayed in bed and about 9, 30, 10 o'clock. There's a knock on the door. I'm not going to the door. The door kept knocking. Pretty soon I heard somebody knock on the side door, and knocking on the front door. All right, all right, all right. Didn't look good. Robe on. I came out here. Are two classes of the elementary school. They've made paper mache prayer circles. They've got them out on the yard and out on the side porch. I say, Pastor Ken, Pastor Ken, come on out. Come out. We're going to put you in the middle of the prayer circle and pray for you. Uh, third, fourth, fifth, sixth grade. What? Yeah, come on. Oh, I don't look good. It don't matter. Come on. So I go out and stand among these paper mache prayer circles and the kids do what They're garden friends kind of hard for me I'm their youth pastor but they're now their, my ministers and they're pastoring me in the garden circle some of you need to be garden friends some of you need to let garden friends into your world I'm at a preacher's meeting a little break in the in the service and I think man I'm going to call my mom about noon. I'll give mom a call. There's a break. I call her. She's out in I'm in Tennessee. She's out in, in uh, Oregon. I call my mom. Mom, well, Kenny, why are you calling in the middle of the day? Well, I'll just call to say hi. She says, well, i got something to tell you. She says, I went to the doctors this morning and they found cancer. Said, what? Yeah. She says, it's. they want to operate like Real, real soon, this next week. I said, you're kidding me. Did we have any warning? She said, no. She said, I did, I'm feeling real good. She said, I did a checkup and they found cancer. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm going to come home. Went back in. Meeting starts. And whoever was up front says, does anybody have a special request? Well, oh. I raised my hand. Yeah, and I just got off the phone with my mom. She has cancer. Man, six or seven pastors in that public meeting got up from their seats, came over to where I was, put their arms around me, and said, hey, we're going to pray with you and pray for your mom. Okay? Thanks. I, I need that. Went home, made some arrangements to see how, if I could fly out quickly. That was expensive. Next day I went out the mailbox to get the mail, opened up an envelope with my name on it, $500 cash. Pastor Kent. We want to use this for the airline ticket to go be with your mom. Garden friends. Right? Garden friends. Flew out to Oregon. Got there. My mom's already in the hospital getting prepped and ready for surgery. I walk into the room. that room looks like a florist shop. Flowers, plants, plants hanging from the IV bottles and everything. I mean, it was like beautiful. And there's a mom, where'd all these come from? She says, Kenny, I don't know. See, you don't know, she says. Aren't they lovely? But I don't know these people. I began to look at the cards. <laughs> you already know. They're the garden friends back from Tennessee and Georgia, my pastor friends, my school friends, that have sent plants and cards and flowers ahead of me even getting there to that room. said, Mom, I know who these people are said, it's really something, isn't it? The phone rings while I'm in the room. Mom's getting ready for surgery. Pastor Ken, we hope we're not too late. Listen, there's about five or six of us here. We're in a room. We wanted to call you. We wanted to say a prayer with you and your mother. But folks, the world will not take care of you that way. But God's people will. Some of you need to be gardened you need to let garden friends into your world of pain. Open up that window. See what God will do. Be honest. Be vulnerable. That Jesus would say I hurt so much I wish I could die. It's a powerful, powerful But let me tell you this much. We're human. Peter, James, and John, and the other disciples, what did they do in Jesus' greatest pain and disappointment? They fell asleep. They missed it. And I'm here to tell you, too, I'm not perfect. I'm sure I miss it. I know there's occasions when I've gone right over my head, when I could have been a better garden friend, or when I could have let somebody in to my painful disappointing experience. I'm human. And folks, humans will disappoint. But let me tell you this. Jesus knew that Peter, James, and John and the other disciples were not the source of his strength. They were resource available to him. But they failed. But I'm here to tell you tonight, God does not fail. And Jesus knew that he could count on his heavenly Father to not leave him, even though he wanted to die, even if there was any other way possible. Let it, let it be gone. Take it away from me. But God, it's not what I want. it's what you want. Be near me, stay near me. Go through this with me. I see too many young people today that escape. They don't go through a painful or a painful experience they check out. Let it be alcohol. Let it be uh, another abusive relationship. Whatever the issue, they don't face it head on. We need a generation of Seventh-day Adventist young people that will face their pain and disappointment head on. Use resource people but realize that the source of strength to get through the tough times in life come from Almighty God. He will not disappoint He will not leave you alone. You cannot escape the presence of the Spirit of God. It's Friday night. Thanks for letting me share stories. There's so much power in a story. Friday afternoon at, at a pastor's home can sometimes be hectic. I think the old devil knows that if I can stir them up and get them off on a on a bad foot in the Sabbath, well, I'll just kind of have my way with them. No, you know what? The phone rings. Three boys. Stuff to be done. Pastor Ken, it's the Lemon family. Um, we're just calling. Um, you know, Becky's not feeling real well. We're wondering if you could come over and make a quick visit. Well, sure, sure, I'll do that. Be there, be there in a little bit. Hung up the phone. Hey, I'm, I'll be gone for a little bit, but I'm coming back and I'll, I'll get some of the housework and stuff I need to be done, but I want to make a quick visit these people. called. Okay. Went over and knocked on the door. Got invited in. I, how's Becky doing? Well, she's not doing so well, but come on in, in the back room and, and visit with her. Here's Becky. 17, almost 18 years old. Beautiful, long, Blonde hair that came all the way down her back. She's laying in bed and got her leg propped up. Becky, what's going on? Oh, Pastor Ken, I don't know, but look at this. And she pulled the cover back and pulled her leg, and her leg is just swollen, huge, and you can see lumps in her leg. I said, Becky, I am not a doctor, but what is going on? And she says, They don't know. I said, They don't know. I said, no. They're ruling out cancer. She says, but I've got these little growths, of like, like the end of, the, end of your, your finger there, that they're just kind of protruding out all over my body. And I said, well, what are they going to do? And I said, well, she said, I think they're going to operate and try to take them out and remove them. I said, so they can just remove all those? She says, that's what they're going to try to do. Well, Becky, thanks for letting me come over and visit. I'll tell you what, I'm going to make this journey with you. Is that okay? She said, I'd love that. Would you pray with me? I prayed with her. Went home, told the family and the boys about what's going on with, with Becky. Oh, that's interesting. Whoa, it'll be fun to follow. Let's see what happens. Next week, I got a call to go visit Becky again. Becky said, Well, they've decided to do surgery. As a matter of fact, it's going to be tomorrow. Would you come and be there? I said, I'll be there. I went with Becky, and sure enough, they opened up her leg in surgery and made a scar almost the whole length of her leg and took out as many of these little growth things that they could. No no, no cancer cells, but they had just grown and grown in her leg. She had this scar all the way down. I said, Becky, boy, that is, and she said, don't worry about it. I wasn't planning on winning any. Little did I know that that would begin the journey with Becky for about four months. A week or two after that, Becky called. As a matter of fact, her mother called. Pastor Ken, can, can you come see Becky? She's in the hospital downtown Chattanooga. Um, they found some more of these little growths, and they're in her chest cavity, and they're putting pressure on her lungs, and she's having trouble breathing. I said, I'm on my way. Went down to see Becky. I said, Becky, what is going on now? She says, it looks like they didn't get them all. She says, I've got them in my chest. I said, it's hard to breathe and having treatments and stuff. And I said, well, what are they going to do? Becky said, well, they're afraid to go in and do like they did for my leg because they're so intertwined. She says, but I think they're going to send me up to Vanderbilt in Nashville and, and do surgery said, when are they going to do that? And I said, she said, next week. I said, well, Becky, I tell you what, I'll make my way up to Nashville I'll come see you. You would do that best? Yeah. I'll do it. Went back and went to the elementary school. Told a story about Becky. You know, those kids are just incredible. Before I left that day, they brought me a big sack full of cards, get well Becky cards, little, little, you know, you open these up and read them, they're just, they're priceless. Dear Becky, get well soon. My dog has lumps too. <laughs> get, I took those up to Nashville to, to Becky. Oh, she laughed. Look at this one, Pastor Kent. I can't even remember all of them, but they were so funny. But that's what, little kids are being what? Garden friends. Stayed with Becky through the day they took her into surgery. A couple hours later, they brought her out. To go. What's the report? They're with her parents in the room. Becky's recovering. Said we we couldn't get any of them. couldn't Couldn't take them out. she said they're they're just intertwined in the lining of her chest cavity. They said we were doctors were too worried that if they started to cut and take them out, they couldn't stop the damage. What are they going to do? With heavy radiation. Chemotherapy. Becky came to and asked how it went. They gave her the results. She says, Well, that's okay. That's okay. If they're going to have to get them and not be able to cut them out and they need to do chemo, that'll get rid of them. I'll be all right. Took Becky home. A couple weeks go by. They begin the, the heavy chemical and radiation treatment on Becky. Of course, it removes all her what? All her beautiful long blonde hair. I said, "Pastor Ken, that almost hurt more." She said, "I didn't know my roots were so, so deep." I said, "Oh, they're that deep. I don't think they are on my head, but they're that." Yeah, she says, "Kind of like needles coming out of my head sometimes when I." She said, "But close your eyes." She was bald. I close my eyes. Okay, open them. Whoa, Becky's got. A uh, clown, rainbow-colored wig that she has put on, lights up the whole room. She smiles. She says, "What do you think? It'll go with anything." <laughs> Becky, you're you're amazing. You're just amazing to me. Come home. Get a phone call again. Pastor Ken, Becky's in, in the hospital. And you make make oh, i on my way. I tell the boys. The boy says, "Hey, we want to go." Can we go? We'll go with you. We want to see Becky." I said, well, why don't you come on? I don't know if they'll let you up into the room, but we can go on the floor and we'll tell Becky that you're there, and she'll think that's pretty cool. Okay? So I get the boys in the car, and you know, boys are boys, or got some electronic game going on or something, and I I look in the rearview mirror and it got kind of quiet, and I can see that they've got pieces of this game, whatever they were playing with, and rubber parts, and they've got them curled up on their nose. Uh, under under their nose, on their lip, seeing how many they can get up there, and they're just playing with them. Boys, my word. Brent reaches over and pops Brock in the stomach, causing him to inhale. And one of these rubber things goes up his nose. <laughs> I'm going to die. This thing's stuck in my brain. And he falls out. Oh, man, we pull the car over and stop. Look, I said, well, relax, relax. I can't. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Brent, he's going to die. He's going to die. No, Lay him out on the seat. Pull open the nose. Look back in there. Sure enough, there's a big black thing in the center. I can't get that out. Oh, my word. What is going on? And so I try to get it. So I push it down. Push it to the side. No, don't leave me alone. I just want to die here. <laughs> well, we go to the ER doctor. Him in there, one's crying, one's laughing. <laughs> Get him in, doctor looks at him, looks up under the nose, turns to me and says, Well, we usually have to operate on these kind of situations. I said, don't, don't, don't. I don't want to operate. Oh my, I said, Is there anything else you can do? Can you not do something? He says, Well, let me try. And he squirts some stuff up in there and took out some long needle. Nose pliers is what I would have called them, but I'm sure there's a (laughs) medical term for them. And he worked up in there, and a pop, he pulls that thing out. Oh, I just immediately said, thank you, Brock. I'm not going to die. Brent, you're not. What's the deal on that? that? Oh, Oh, man, what is going on? After all the trauma and the stress, we're walking away from the ER room. Brock says, Oh, I don't feel very good. All oh, over the hospital floor. Yeah, you don't feel very good, and I'm not feeling so good myself either. Now well, we tried to clean that up, clean up the mess. Get over to the elevator. Go down one floor. I got to go down three more. So we get on. And a guy gets on. He looks at me. He goes, "Hey, how's it going?" No verbal volleyball. I just started to say, buddy, it is not going well. I'm on my way to ho- the hospital to see a 18, 19-year-old girl lost all her blonde hair. they got these growths all over her chest and her, and her body. And they don't know what's going on. And the goes, yeah, and I got a big rubber thing stuck up my nose. And I thought I was going to die, but I'm not dying and everything. Then I got sick, and <coughs> he starts this again. And this guy's starting to back up in the elevator. A, a, a little bit, a little bit. You know. We go down two more floors, and I'm still talking to him, telling him how it's going. He stepped, when the door opened, he stepped back out of the elevator. He said, Mister, I didn't want to know all of that. And I said, Buddy, when you got on here, you asked me how it's going. And I'm telling you how it's going, and I'm not done yet. <laughs> Last I saw him, he was running down the hall away from the elevator. See, when you ask somebody that, you ought to stay around long enough to find out. On our way to the hospital, went up to, I think it was the fifth floor, cancer floor. Looked in, I said, can we go in? She said, you can go in, but the boys will have to stay here in the the lobby. She's all watching. Went in to see Becky. Kind of in and out of consciousness a little bit of a temperature, not doing so well. I'm not sure she knew I was there. I had prayer with the parents. told her, I'll tell you what, I'll I'll come back. I'll come back. Took the boys home. Phone rang later that night. Pastor Ken, you you might want to come now. Back to the hospital. Up to the fifth floor. This time, the nurses... You know, we know known each other because we've been doing this routine. I look at the nurses will catch your eye, and they go, just kind of shake their head and look down. Oh, boy. Went into Becky's room. Her, her face was really just kind of, I, I want to say a, a glow. Her temperature was nearly 105. A kind nurse was just simply putting a wet rag on her face and forehead, constant, constant. parents are at the foot of the bed in tears, went over, put my arms around the parents, and I did what your pastor would do, I shared tears with them, and at the foot of Becky's bed, I said a prayer to myself. And prayed for Becky. We've done everything we can. We have placed her in your care. These parents need a word from you. This preacher needs a word from you. These nurses that have cared so lovingly for Becky need to hear a word from you. At the foot of the bed, I opened my mouth. And I said, She's gonna pull through. Both parents just turned into me. And with love in their eyes, they said, Oh, we love you, Pastor Kim I said, Look. And I said it stronger. She's going to pull through. I went home. I really think it was a Friday again will you have Becky's service of course of course I'll have her service. church was pretty well full of course the parents were down front over on the left hand side were elementary school kids that had made cards and been with Becky There were people from the hospital, nurses, and physicians that had cared for Becky. It was really one of the most memorable services I've ever had a chance to participate in. When the doors opened and Becky walked down the aisle with her father, it was one of the funnest wedding services. I've ever had a chance to participate in. Yeah. Take that, Uncle Arthur. (laughs) Man, that's not fair, is it? That's a preacher's story. But I'm here to tell you, had God not pulled Becky through, I believe with all my heart that God would have provided for her parents, for her youth pastor, and for the nurses that cared for her, and for the young kids that made those cards for her. God would have provided, for lack of a better theological term, the stuff they would have needed to get through that painful. I will never leave you or forsake you, says our God. There is no God like our God. God wants to pull you through life's difficult times. The world will leave you. Too many examples of that. Your close friends as resource might disappoint you and might not be there. But there is one who promises that if a difficult time comes your way, I'll either give you what you need or I will provide the way of escape. You can trust your life into the hands of that kind of God. So there's your windows. Pray. Use those scriptures as resources. Invite some close friends in or be a close friend to somebody. At least three specific times, Jesus took the time to pray. Don't give up. That's what Paul means when he says, pray without ceasing. Don't just pray once. Stay with God long enough to allow him to give you what you need to get through your experience. Jesus prayed at least three specific times that night he stayed with God long enough to get through a betrayal to get through a crucifixion I say uh, he knew that God had the power to raise him up to live for you and I that we might have eternal life trust that kind of God.